Here we've got episode 94, where we are talking about how to hack your motivation. If you always find yourself falling in a heap with diets or exercise regimes, and you really want to understand how to flip the script on negative self-talk, self-sabotage, and even better, develop a system that identifies what about your personality are the points you can leverage to get results, then you, my friend, are in the right place. This is such a great episode chatting about the psychology of moving forward with your health journey. And guess what? It's time. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome to today's episode of the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. As you know, it's my mission to coach 150 individuals to create the sustainable, healthy life that they truly want before December 2020. And along with this podcast, my eight-week program, The Ultimate Energy Upgrade, is how I am achieving that mission, transforming one group of amazing humans at a time. Speaking of, I've just launched my latest program, which is off to a cracking start and the next intake is already sold out, which is pretty awesome to be quite honest. If you were ready to make the commitment to level up your energy focus and overall health and wanted to dive into the program, then you are in luck because there is currently a waiting list for the next intake. So if you want to jump onto that, head over to my Facebook group and just let me know there. The link to my group called Health Hacks for Humans is in the show notes below. Now, Kathleen Trotter is today's guest all the way from Canada. So what is Kathleen all about? Well, she is a fitness expert, media personality, personal trainer, writer, and life coach. She's author of Finding Your Fit and also does a number of monthly TV segments in the US and Canada and writes for dozens of print and online outlets such as the Huffington Post, all while working with private clients ranging from athletes of all ages to individuals with chronic disease. Her media work includes over 50 online fitness how-to videos, the Globe and Mail's Ask the Trainer column, and a health advisory column. Basically, Kathleen is absolutely everywhere. (laughs) She also holds a master's degree in exercise science from the University of Toronto and a nutrition diploma from the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, as well as being a Czech Level 3 trainer, a fascial stretch therapist, and a Pilates equipment specialist, and has been listed as one of Canada's most influential fitness professionals. Wow, Kathleen, I'm puffed out from that massive list, but a big warm welcome to the show. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. And I feel like I need to just put you in my back pocket and carry you everywhere so you can um, talk about me. That was amazing <laughs> listening to you. That's awesome. And I loved, I'm going to steal two of your phrases. You said uh, off to a cracking start and that you're puffed out. I love that. I have to steal both of those. Yeah, I think I, I've been told before that I use the word cracking a lot. I think, I don't know if it's an Australian thing or not. <laughs> I don't know, but I love fun phrases. Listen, I'm all about finding joy in life. I think that joy, joy is so important and language is one of those ways that you can create joy. So I will use a phrase like awesome blossom or um, just anything fun because I think life can be very dull and the mundane can be boring. And we, it is our job as humans to sort of find recipes for success and happiness. And for me, part of my recipe is definitely fun language. I love that. And I, I remember you said before we started recording that, you know, 
fitness changed your life and the, one of the important messages that you discovered in that process was that fitness isn't about struggle. And I guess to continue on with that theme of finding joy of it and everything, can you share a little bit about how you came across that, you know, and how you, how you make that shift of it not being about struggle and pain? Yeah. So it's interesting because it both is about struggle and not about struggle. So I would say that the why it's not about struggle is that it's about finding the ways that you become your best self. So it's not about shaming yourself. It's not about becoming somebody else. It's not about doing the workout that your favorite celebrity does or saying, well, I have to be a whole new person. It's about becoming the version of you that's stronger and more empowered and energized. So in that way, it's not about that sort of shaming struggle of not wanting to be you. It's about becoming a the strongest version of you and becoming proud in your own skin, right? Like I really hated myself growing up and I just, I didn't like being in my own body. So in that way, it's not about struggle, but in, in a funny way, it actually is about embracing that health inherent to health is a struggle. It's not about perfection, but it's, that's okay. And that's to be expected. I actually think that a lot of people start their fitness and health journey thinking that if they could just find the perfect workout or the perfect diet, that everything would be, would be perfect and they'd never have to work again. And they would just be a fit, like magically fit person. Um, and the thing is, is that that's not the case. There's always going to be, you know, minor struggles like food pressures in your life to major struggles, like, you know, a global pandemic, um, or somebody in your life getting sick or that sort of medium ground struggle where you're having a hard day at work and you have to be able to say like, okay, this is hard and this is emotionally taxing, but how how do I, you know, honor the emotion that I'm, you know, sad or lonely or tired, but in a way that uh, serves me? So, you know, if I'm sad, can I phone a friend versus eating a tub of ice cream? Um, if I'm, you know, frustrated with work, could I go for a really long power walk and listen to an awesome podcast? And won't that make me feel better? So, yeah, it's not about ignoring the struggle or thinking that things will be perfect, but it's about kind of leaning into the struggle being, you know, fun and, and part of the process and knowing that when you figure out a way to deal with the obstacle that is in your way, you will feel proud. Um, yeah. And it's about that self pride and, and being, you know, the, the productive, healthier, happier version of you that I know that you all can be, you know? And so that, yeah, it's an interesting sort of paradox in, in a way. Yeah, absolutely. It's like learning to love the struggle in a way. Yeah. It's getting on the struggle bus, you know, and leaning into that struggle bus and knowing that there's always going to be the obstacle, but you can, I, I tell my clients to always take the path to the right. Meaning like you hit any obstacle, whether, as I said, it's a small one where, you know, you slept past your alarm to a, to a big one, like getting into a fight with your, you know, your partner or your spouse, and you can lean to the left, which is the obstacle is still there. And you sort of lean into it and you do all the things that are not going to make you proud. Um, you know, you get into an anger match or you say, well, I slept through my alarm, so who cares? I won't work out today and I'm going to eat a bunch of cookies or whatever. Or you can say, okay, the path to the right is the obstacle is still there, but how do I deal with that obstacle in a way that's going to make my future self proud? Like as opposed to compulsively sort of making that problem and that obstacle worse and compounding the problem. Um, so yeah, so you got to get to just get on the struggle bus and get on to the fact that no one who is successful at health it does it because they're perfect. They do it, you know, they're successful at their health because they consistently show up. They're consistently a professional about their health. They consistently say, you know what, I don't always want to go to work, but I go to work. Well, it's the same thing with your health. You don't always want to 
do the right thing. I don't always want to drink water and do a workout and, you know, eat my vegetables, but I do it because I know for the most part, I do it anyway, that because it's, it's good for me and my future self will be proud. And I've created a lifestyle that sort of serves me. Do you think that um, that level of emotional maturity, because I think a lot of people, because I think what you're talking about at the core, it really is emotional maturity and the capacity for self-observation and, you know, planning for the future, Absolutely, and put, yeah. putting in now so that you benefit later. What's the, what's the sort of secret to develop that emotional maturity muscle? <laughs> so I love, first of all, I love the question and you're so right. It is a muscle. Um, I think honestly, the secret is just time. You've got to give yourself time. So, you know, I'm very honest about the fact that I've been in therapy for 20 years. So I'm 37 in the first half of my life. You know, I ate my way through my parents' divorce. I skipped gym class. Like I would lie to get out of gym class. I pretended to be sick. I snuck food, you know, I'm six feet tall and I now love my height, but there was so many years of my life where I just felt super awkward and I don't know. I just, it, it, it was, I, I was not proud to be me. I didn't like being in my own skin. And, you know, it's taken 20 years for me to develop into this, this slightly more mature version of Kathleen. And I will take me another, you know, hopefully 70 years to develop into the further versions of Kathleen. And it is a daily practice. And I don't think it's not about perfection. It's about sort of saying like, how do I learn and how do I grow? And I, I, I don't know. So it, it's about finding the version that works for you in this moment. So what I mean by that is when I first started to work out, I went to the YMCA because my mom got me a membership and she said, you know, Kathleen, you got to be active, even if it's not in the way that most teenagers are active. We have to find your fit, which is the name of my first book. So I started by just going and walking on the treadmill for 10 minutes because I wasn't intimidated by the people at the Y because the demographic was sort of over 40 and under kind of five. So there weren't my peer group. So I walked for 10 minutes on the treadmill and that was the perfect gateway into my fit. And then that turned into sort of 20 minutes of walking and then 30 and then some strength training. And then I started taking aerobics classes. And then I started teaching aerobics classes, which got me to go to do my undergrad in kinesiology, which led to a master's in exercise science, which is like, it just sort of snowballed. I started running, I did marathons. So I think it's just a matter of wherever you are, you got to meet yourself where you are. And you have to say, some type of motion is a non-negotiable, but it doesn't have to be the motion that works for your favorite celebrity or your sister or your brother or your father. Uh, figure out, it could be dancing for five minutes, right? It could be going for a walk. Um, it could be yoga, but just decide that you're going to do what you can today and let that snowball into further wins going forward and decide that when you make a choice that you're not proud of, which you will, because you're only human, right? Like we all can only do the best we can. Yeah, definitely. Um, and when you make that choice, learn from it, right? Like, so have a growth mindset about it. So be like, okay, well, I had a afternoon snack. I'm not proud of like, why is that? Did I not have a healthy enough lunch? Am I not hydrated enough? Um, did, was I angry at my boss? And really what I should have done was like journal about my emotions. Should I phone a friend? Um, so yeah, I think it's what you said. It's about developing a muscle. It's about consistently developing that muscle and having enough grace with yourself to be kind, yeah. um, but also hold yourself accountable. Right. So that, again, it's sort of a, it's a, it's a little bit of a paradox. Like you have to be able to hold two truths at the same time, which is that you have to have grace and be kind with yourself and, and love yourself, but you also need to hold yourself accountable and, um, sort of parent yourself, right? So a yeah. parent wouldn't say, oh, well, you know, I love you so much. I'm going to give you 17 cookies. No, the parent would say like, <laughs> the sugar's not good for you. So here's some broccoli, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. a, it's a process. Firstly, 
I love that you're six foot because I'm six foot. So that's awesome. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. It's, a, it's a, you know what? I love it. It's a, such a wonderful thing to be now. Um, I can reach anything in the high spaces. I feel, <laughs> you know, I feel very athletic now and I feel very okay in my, you know, and like I can lift things. I love being strong. I love that, um, you know, I, I never have to be like, oh, you do this for me or you lift that for me or like you open that jar of pickles or whatever. Like I like being strong now and I like being tall. Um, but it's funny how, when you're growing up, what you learn to love can be what you absolutely hate. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's a, like, it's much like the conversation we're having about learning to love, you know, the things that we perceive to be, you know, detrimental in the, in the moment, but actually in the long term, they have all sorts of benefits and it's really just a perspective change. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a definition of love that's key, right? Because I think a lot of us fall into this idea of like, oh, I love myself so much that I can, you know, not work out today. I love myself so much that I can eat whatever I want. Or it's sort of a letting yourself off the hook. Um, But again, I go back to like, if you had kids, you know, if your child came home and said, oh, I failed my math test, you wouldn't say to them, um, well, you're a loser and you're never going to do math again. But you also wouldn't say like, oh, well, who cares? You'd say, let's, you know, like, let's get you a tutor. Let's learn from this. And I think that that's a skill that we don't apply to ourselves very well. Like we we go from either the light switch is on or the light switch is off. Like either we're saying like, eat as many cookies as you want, or we're saying you're the worst person in the world, as opposed to just sort of saying like, okay, like how do we learn from this experience? And how can we acknowledge that the behavior wasn't something that you're proud of, but that you as a person um, are worthy. And that's a very, very key distinction. It's Brené Brown talks a lot about it with the idea of the difference between shame and guilt, right? So shame is I hate me. Um, guilt is I'm not proud of the behavior. And too often we conflate, you know, making a health choice that we're not proud of with that we are a lousy person, which just spirals us into worse behavior. But if you can say like, I'm worthy and I'm worthy enough to go for a walk and, you know, to put healthy food into my body, like I'm not a garbage can, I'm not going to put garbage food into me. Um, And when I make a decision I'm not proud of, attack the decision, don't attack you as a person. Yeah, I love that. You've really got me thinking about about this parent-child uh, metaphor that you're using and I really like it because I think maybe a lot of people come out of families where emotional maturity wasn't a thing because, again, we're all subject to being human and we're all educated by you know our, our parental figures before us, which you know you go back in time and the, probably the less emotional maturity existed yeah. than does p- potentially now. And so I guess we're coming out of these homes as young adults without the capacity to understand um, you know self, loving yourself as the parent because and so I think maybe we're all stuck and I'm just totally hypothesizing off the cuff here that maybe we all come out of these homes as the rebel and it's like it's like oh, I'm free of that control that people had on me and and so the self-love movement actually just turns into self-lie because like yeah. we actually don't have the self-love um, capacity do you know what I mean Totally. And I think that I started very lucky because my mother is amazing. Um, She's an actress and a therapist, actually. And so she always taught me um, to find my way, but make sure that my way respected like what I needed, not just what I wanted. And so I go back to this idea of finding my fit or finding your fit, the name of my book. It's really based on her concept of saying like, okay, what do you, what not even what do you love to do with fitness? Cause there was nothing that I love to do, but what is tolerable? So what do you at least not despise and let's do that. Um, and then do it daily and do it consistently. And so 
and that something was better than nothing. Like she didn't expect me to go um, and compete and be the best like baseball player ever. She was just like, no, like where you are in life right now is 10 minutes is great. So I think that that's really key. But I think your point is is very valid. Like I I started life with this with this a wonderful gift of having a safe container as a mother. Um, and I think that a lot of us actually have to learn to have that safe container and to make sure, as you said, that like love is love. It's not a lie and it's not, you're not using that language of self-love as a method of self-sabotage because we often do that, right? It's like, well, I deserve X or it's not fair. My day was so busy and stressful. I'm going to give myself the gift of staying up really late and watching Netflix. And listen, I can do that to myself too. I can get into that, you know, self-talk that's so dangerous of like, oh, I deserve, I deserve. But then you got to step back and be like, okay, well, if you've created a life for yourself where you have zero time in your day, so the only time you can give yourself is like from one in the morning to two in the morning watching Netflix, then the issue is not the Netflix. It's like step back and look at the bigger picture, right? Um, I love this idea of sort of stepping onto a balcony and looking at the dance floor and being like seeing where all the different pieces fit in. Uh, because you do deserve, like if we're using this idea of watching Netflix at one in the morning, like everybody deserves some alone time and personal time, but is that the best way to give it to yourself, right? So the question is, is not, do you deserve, or can you have some personal time? It's like, how do you create, create that space for the time that you do deserve in a way that actually serves you versus a way that harms you? And we go back to having a kid, like if you had a child and the child said, oh my God, my day is so full with school. And then after school activities and homework that the only time I can relax is if I watch Netflix at one in the morning. Well, you would say to that kid, like, we got to design you a different life. Like that's that's not that's not the right yeah. life. That's not going to serve you, right? But we're not very good at doing that with ourselves. Like, even <laughs> with snacking and food, like my my clients will come in and say, oh, I didn't eat very well this week. And I'll ask them for examples. And then I'll be like, oh, well, I was out at the supermarket. I was so hungry that I had to have a Kit Kat bar. I had to have X, Y, or Z. And then I'll say to them, well, was your kid with you? And they're like, oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, but so what did your child eat? And they'll be like, oh, well, I packed them a snack. And I was like, okay, so you have, like, when we consciously and purposely decide that that person needs our care, we can normally nine times out of 10, figure out how to give it to them, right? If you have an elderly parent or, or as like a child or whatever, like, and we talk to those people so much nicer than we talk to ourselves as well. So it's just interesting if you can step back and sort of say, okay, I have the skills to give somebody I love a healthy life, right? I do it for my kids. I do it for my mother. I do it even often for my spouse. So why can't I apply those skills to myself? I hope you're loving this episode. But before we get back into it, I want to let you know all about something that I think you'll be interested to hear. It's free, and each week it brings you informative videos, podcasts, and an engaged community that allows your health knowledge to level up. Who doesn't want that, right? What is it? It's my free Facebook group called Intermittent Fasting, Burn Fat, Clear Brain Fog, Boost Energy, which is all about, as the name suggests, Intermittent fasting, (laughs) but also how nutrition and the right mindset can make your health better from all angles by reducing inflammation, improving gut health, stimulating autophagy, reducing sugar cravings and insulin spikes, and also how to avoid taking a diet culture approach to your body and your health. Basically, if you want your body, health, and life to get better, then come and join us. Head down to the show notes below, click the Facebook link, 
Be sure to answer the group entry questions so the software will let you in and I will see you on the inside. The name again, Intermittent Fasting, Burn Fat, Clear Brain Fog, Boost Energy. The link is in the show notes below. Alrighty, let's get back into the episode. I love that you're, you've referred to a couple of times that, you know, just dealing with the challenge in front of you. It's not about, you know, like walking for 10 minutes or dealing with the, the snack kind of situation. It's just what's happening right now rather than, oh, I've got to look, you know, I've got to have abs and be super lean and have a good booty and stuff like that. It's just deal with the challenge the immediate challenge in front of you right now. And I know, and I love that you were honest about, um, you know, being in therapy. I'm, I'm as a male, I'm very honest about that as well. Like I love my psychologist. I'm actually seeing him today. He's a legend. Um, but one thing that I learned through my years of therapy was that the worst time to manage like a, a strong emotional trigger, be it anger, be it whatever, um, the worst time to manage that is during it. And so in order to respond to... Oh my God, yes. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. And so in order to be able to actually make these changes, when you're triggered about it, like whether it be hunger, you, you know, you go to the supermarket and you're starving, that's the worst time to try and implement the broccoli snack. Yes. You, know, you know what I mean? You've got to, tr- you've got to like build the muscle slowly. So when you're not triggered, be like, oh, I might make a different decision now when you're in yeah. emotionally in control. And that's the way to, to, you know, just small challenges to build up that muscle. Yeah. Well, that's made, reminded me of a phrase, a, um, a quote. I forget who the quote is by. Tim Ferriss uses it a lot in his per- podcast, but basically it's, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. So the, basically the idea is you can't teach yourself in the craziness to be better. What you have to do is before the craziness, set up systems that save yourself for your future self. And when you're in the crazy, have the muscle to step back and pause. So, you know, if I'm in a uh, fight, like with my partner, his name is James, um, you know, I really, both of us will just say, let's take a pause and I go for a walk. And then I come back 20 minutes later and then we can deal with it so much better. And it's the same thing, like with a food craving, like if you're in that craving, you have to be able to take a pause, you step away. And then you say like, you know what, I'm going to do and I'm going to sew a project or do a puzzle or do something fun. Um, and then in, if in 20 minutes I still have this craving, then I can deal with it. Right. But stepping away f- from any of those things often gives you that perspective that you need. Um, and then once you've stepped away, you need to take the time to be like, okay, if this is an issue, how do I set myself up better for next time? Right. So you don't belittle yourself for having these cravings or having these emotions or getting in these fights. Cause listen, we're human. This happens, but how do you learn from it? So the systems are really, really important. Like how do you create environments that save yourself from your future self? How do you create systems? So if you know that you always set your alarm in the morning and then it goes off and you can never wake, wake up, is it because you've gone to bed too late at night? So do you need, um, like a bedtime ritual or do, do you need to set an alarm to get yourself ready for bed? Is it that, or is it that you don't have a friend waiting for you, like an accountability buddy? Would you be better if you had somebody waiting for you in the morning? Is it that you don't have a workout that you're actually looking forward to doing is that you're you don't have goals right now so like that's an issue like as opposed to belittling yourself and self-flagellating and sort of saying like you're a terrible person why don't you wake up when you say you're going to say figure out the system that's going to allow you to wake up in the morning yeah um or for me like i'll give you an example i love these fudge bars so um and i have an impossible 
it's, it's impossible for me to have them in the house and not eat the entire box. And for years of my <laughs> I life, I would this. be in the grocery store. And there, I'd have this like, right? You get this? So I'd be in the grocery store and the devil and the angel on my shoulders would be like, Kathleen, you can buy them. Just have one a week. You'll be fine. And then the, the angel would be, Kathleen, you know that if you bring them home, you're just going to eat them all. And time after time after time, I would bring them home. And what would I do? I would eat all of the freaking bars. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. So again, I had to learn that's me, that's to set me up and a cookies. system because that obviously wasn't working. Yeah, it's you and cookies. You know what? Everybody has a red food and everybody has that trigger red food. And I would suggest people listening, if they get anything from this podcast, get the trigger red food out of your house because you or somebody you love is eventually going to eat that food. So the system that I've created is I will now buy a box of fudge bars and I take them to my mom's house because Listen, if something is your love at food, if something is really worth it, if something is something you don't want to live without, life is short. So it's not that I never want to have a fudge bar. I just want to have six of them in an hour because that's not healthy. It's not going to make my future self feel better. Like I'm just going to feel like crap. So now what I do, if I want a fudge bar, I go over, I sit with my mom, we have a chat. Um, she's, you know, great company. And I have one bar. I'm never going to have six bars in front of my mother. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, and then like every, but like everybody wins, right? Like we, I get a visit with my mom. Totally. I get the fudge bar I want. I don't feel like crap, but it took years of learning and figuring out a system. So, you know, you just have to take the time, like journal your food for a couple of weeks, journal your triggers, journal when you make the worst choices, um, journal, like, what are the ways, when do you actually show up for yourself? Like, when are your bright spots? Like, do you show up for your workouts when you have somebody waiting for you? Do you, do you show up when you're, for your workouts when you have a goal, like a 5k race? Um, do you show up for your workouts when you've set yourself like a challenge of, I have to do X amount of pushups? Um, what makes you show up for yourself and then try to replicate those things more. And then what are the situations where you don't show up for yourself and then don't do that, right? Like learn from yourself. Totally. Uh, what, um, do you have any sort of personality quizzes or tests or anything like that that people, you know, you have clients take to get to know themselves better? Because re- I know for myself that I decided, you know, I- I've been f- fortunate enough to have the opportunity growing up that I was, you know, almost an elite athlete training, you know, swimming, um, you know, 10 times a week, virtually multiple kilometers every every day and, and competitively swimming a lot, a lot. But um 
I, I real I didn't realize until I was an adult, moved out, you know, hundreds of kilometers away from my parents, that the thing that motivated me was that I'm such a social extrovert that I just love hanging out with everybody, um, and I'm really competitive. And so, I you know, going to the gym for me, I'm terrible at going to the gym by myself. Like I am just, I just suck, right? I just have no motivation, but. If there's somebody to compete with or, you know, a couple of mates or a group of people, then it works for me. But it took me that experience to figure that out. So do you have any suggestions for people to find out more about themselves? Yeah, I absolutely. And I love that. I mean, I think we're all our own best resource, right? Like we've been doing this, most of us for at least 20 years. So you can know what works for you and what doesn't. Um, Gretchen Rubin has some great work on, are you an obliger? Are you a rebel? Um, are you, I forget there's four of them. Are you a questioner? Are you an upholder? So you can go on her website. Um, I also have some great resources. So I have two books. The first one, Finding Your Fit. I go through four different fitness personalities. Uh, so on my website, there's a questionnaire that you can take. So it's just kathleentrotter.com to figure out your fitness personality. And then you can base your workout routines on that. Um, the four personalities would be a gym bunny, a competitive gym bunny. It sounds like you're a competitive gym bunny, um, a busy multitasker or a home <laughs> I <body>. think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that. And then in my second book, um, Your Fittest Future Self, I definitely go even, even deeper on all of that. And so there's a huge amount of like questions throughout the book that will like journal prompts kind of, and, you know, you can look into, are you somebody that's more like a small changes add up? Or your, you know, big changes make you feel in control. Are you somebody that does something because it's right, or are you more like intrinsically motivated by how things make you feel? Um, and just like just interesting questions you can ask yourself, like what's upstream of this? So, you know, if you always ha- crave sugar, what makes you crave sugar? Like, do you mostly crave sugar if you haven't had? Um, you know, enough protein or healthy fats, or do you mostly crave sugar when you're emotionally spent or when you've not had enough sleep? Um, so you can, so there's tons of questions. So, um, am I like equipped to handle what's upstream of this or do I need help with that? Like, do I need a nutritionist or do I need a therapist? Um, you know, what's the, I call them your linchpin habit. So I get people to go through, you know, is a lint for, so for me, a positive linchpin habit is if I exercise in the mornings, then I'm much more likely to eat well throughout the day. Um, yes, so me too. those are some of the questions that have in the book. Yeah. But everybody's very so different and it's about thriving in your lane. So once you figure out what your fitness personality is, then you can create a workout program for you that you can do consistently, right? Cause really with workouts, it's not what you do once a month that matters. It's what you do on a consistent basis. So if you go through my questionnaires and you're like, Oh, interesting. I really work better when I work out at home, then you can figure out, okay, I love yoga. What are some ways that I can work out and do yoga at home? Because maybe a 90 minute yoga class that you go to, um, you know, then it's half an hour there and half an hour back. Like it just doesn't work in your schedule, but yoga by Adrian, for example, is a free yoga online, um, program that you could follow and do 20 minutes a day. So I think it's a combination of sort of knowing what type of, where you want to do your workout, how you want to do it. Um, and just and asking yourself where your bright spots were in the past, um, and then possibly using a journal technique that works. Like there's on my website, there's lots of articles on journaling, and I, there's lots of different types of journaling. But it basically allows you that space to be a little bit more objective of your habits. So you can journal, you know, your food and exercise. You could also do the sort of a eliminate eliminate versus reproduce journal. So at the end of the day, you can say to yourself, okay, what are three habits that I want to reproduce that made me feel proud versus what are three habits that I want to eliminate and how do I do that? Um, it really, again, again, it goes back to that whole idea of 
um, growth mindset and really learning from your experiences. So you act and then you analyze that action and then you implement that key learning. So if you said, um, you know what, when I miss my workout in the morning, then I let myself go down that self-sabotaging belief of if I couldn't do a full hour, then I might as well do nothing. Okay. So interesting. That's a thought habit that I don't want to have because that's not helpful because yeah, I couldn't do an hour, but I could still go for a 20 minute walk on my lunch break. And that's better than nothing. Um, or maybe you see that absolutely right. Right. Like, but we get into these self-sabotaging beliefs and, and really habitual thought patterns of, you know, if it's not perfect, it's not worth it. Or, you know, I'm supposed to meet a a buddy to work out or they didn't show up. So I'm not going to go either. That could be a self-sabotaging belief of like, well, it's not worth it if my buddy's not going to be there. Um, so, and one of my favorite journaling actually is, um, what I call the mood journal. And I want to credit my therapist for this because I think, there's a cognitive distortion called present bias. And basically what that means is that we're not very good at anticipating how our future self is going to feel. We feel like however we feel in this moment is how we're always going to feel. So, you know, January 1st comes along and you think, oh my God, I'm so motivated. I'm going to be fit. Uh, I feel like I'm always going to be motivated, right? But then, you know, January 7th comes and you're not long, no longer motivated, but you haven't set up the systems to save yourself for your, from your future unmotivated self, right? So that's, that, that's one example of present bias. Um, another example of present bias is just that idea of, I feel really lethargic and tired now. So I guess I shouldn't work out because, you know, I, I don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, Whereas we all know that if you work out, you're going to feel better, right? But this cognitive distortion, it's not a conscious thing. It's just like your mind is like, oh, well, this is the emotion I'm feeling now. I'm always going to feel it. But we know that emotions come and go. So one of the things that my therapist made me do very early on in my relationship with her was she made me keep a mood journal. So she said prior to every time I worked out and actually every day that I went to work, I was I had to write down on a scale of one to, one to 10 what my mood was. And then after my workout and after my day of work, I had to write down what my mood was. And what I saw from doing this for two weeks was that I was always in a better mood after a workout and after I went to work because I love work. Like I love being with clients and helping clients and talking to people on podcasts. Um, awesome. <laughs> so now when I don't feel like working out, I literally have that data, right? I feel awesome. Like I, like I know that I will feel better. So I use that data from that journal and I will say, Kathleen, yeah, your brain is telling you that you don't want to work out, but guess what? In this moment, you're tired in 20 minutes after you've worked out, you will feel better. So just blah, 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 go do something. Yeah. I love um, that. So that's an example of how journaling and just sort of stepping away and gathering some data, like it can be very, very useful, but it's not useful if you let yourself shame spiral, right? Like if when you're feeling unmotivated, you're like, oh, well, this is me again. I'm lazy. And then being lazy just is like, well, if I'm going to be lazy, I might as well sit here and eat ice cream. And then the ice cream leads to like cookies and then the cookies maybe leads to wine. And then that leads to staying up until two in the morning. And then that leads to not getting up the next morning. Right. So you can really negative spiral with your emotions, or you can use like growth opportunities um, and data and reflection as a way to positive spiral the other direction. Yeah, it's really a, a delicate balance and, and a, equally a risky, slippery slope to sort of navigate this space of yes. yeah, not beating yourself up too much and, you know, uh, like loving the struggle, but also loving yourself and finding out what actually that means <laughs> to you. Yes. And yeah. Do you have a, like, do you have something that you do? Is there something that I can learn that you implement on a daily basis? I love any t- like tricks and tools that people use. Well, I use, I've got like literally, as you said, I picked up my journal um, 
I have a few, I like future self journaling to deal with sort of just really challenging things that present themselves regularly. Um, and, and one thing that I found very useful, um, about the journal itself was to, that actually to spend, don't, don't go down to sort of, you know, a cheap, get a cheap one from Walmart or Kmart here in Australia, um, or anywhere like that. Like I actually went to a proper stationary shop. I spent about $50 on the journal. It's like got this, it feels really nice. The leather it's got embossed my initials on the front. And the reason for that is that it's not, it's not full of shame. Like I don't want it to be this crappy little journal that's full of my most embarrassing things that I hate about myself. I want it to be, you know, it looks nice on my desk. I like touching it. You know, I like opening it. It feels kind of fancy, if you know what I mean. And so the physical experience for me was really important. So whenever I buy a new journal that's about sort of my psychology or changing something, it's really important to me that the the journal itself is actually a really nice journal. Does that make sense? Totally. And you know what I like about that? First of all, I love this image of you handling this journal and that it has a lot of gravitas to it. But I'm doing it right now. You actually, <laughs> yeah, you're like touching the journal. But I think what you can do is you can extrapolate that to everything that we do with health, right? We are much more likely to do things if it has some type of meaning to it. So when you feel that journal, it feels heavy and it ha- feels like heavy emotionally um, in a good way, like it has, it has meaning to you. And I think that we have to find our meaning within our nutrition choices and within our exercise. And it doesn't have to be this like even crazy deep, like soul meaning. It could be as simple as, you know what, every time I work out, I get to use the most beautiful hand soap and then my hand smells really nice. And that feels um, like I've given myself something uh, and I'm worth something like that's a, it's a, it's a simple example, but I think our brains are really, um, we're dopamine seeking machines, right? Like yep, we do things definitely. because our brains are predicting how our future self is going to feel. And that can get us, that's both good and bad. And, but it can get you into trouble because often the things that create a dopamine response in the moment are not things that long-term serve your health, right? Like you think of, well, I'm not a smoker, but I've been told that when you think about smoking, it's like you almost get that rush before you even have the cigarette. So that, and then, then you have like, so that reinforces that patterning of having the cigarette. So we have to find ways to create that desire and that rush for the healthier things. So then in time, we actually truly do want them. Like we're changing our taste buds about health. Um, I was listening to this really interesting podcast. Uh, I'll send you the link so you can put it in the show notes, but it's all about this idea of how to reprogram your brain so you actually get that dopamine release from creating a growth mindset. So if you really start to hone in on this idea of when you do a little win, um, you know, you're in the grocery store and instead of getting the Kit Kat, you get an apple. And then you say to yourself, wow, Kathleen, awesome job. You just chose the thing that's going to make your future self proud. You have, by noting that little win, you've actually given yourself that little a spike of dopamine, like it's made you a little bit happy. And the more you do that, the more you program your brain to really look for and highlight those little wins. And then that, that becomes easier and easier and easier. Um, and that could be the, another, that hand soap is an example of that, right? Like you're priming your brain to look for things within your health sphere that make you feel happy and in control and a little bit of pleasure. So it could be that you say every time you work out before you work out, you listen to a piece of music that you really like. Um, it could be that I love walking and listening to podcasts. That's something I genuinely enjoy. Um, 
So whenever possible, if you can infuse things and consciously do it, it's not just about doing it. It's about telling your brain in the moment, wow, I did this good work and noting the things that make you happy and feel pride. Uh, You can slowly sort of start to turn the ship of what your body desires. I love that. um, For the most part, and it's never going to work hundred percent, right? Like sugar is very addictive, but um, it's a, and it's very, very conscious, right? Like that's the thing is that habits, um, you have to design them. You can't like, we're always creating habits. Um, whether the question is, is whether it's conscious or not conscious, right? So you have to say to yourself, okay, did, I have to consciously design the life that I want consciously design the habits that are going to serve my future self. Um, cause either, otherwise we just create them by default. And then when we create them by default, they're often the habits that don't serve us. Yeah, no, I, I totally love that. And I love that, yeah, the idea of introducing an exercise to, to start reprogramming new neural pathways in the brain because that's obviously the dopamine's creating those neural pathways and rewarding them. So I think that's a great tool. Yeah, and it's kind of fun. That's all. I'm all about, when possible, infusing some type of fun or like a little bit of game uh, gamification into it, right? Like if you can say to yourself, okay, what are the 10 positive things I can note today? Or, um, you know, how can I make this walk a little bit more fun? Oh, I can do some fart like intervals. So I like speed walk to different random landmarks or I listen to fun songs and I speed up on the, the chorus of the songs. Like I just think that whenever possible we can, and if we can make something enjoyable, then you're less likely to skip it. Gamify it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned your books as well. So I was just wondering for the listeners where they can find you and your books online and which platforms you, you like to hang out on. Mm, hang out on. Yeah. So my website is kathleentrotter.com and you can get everything there for sure. Um, and there's lots of really great information. I'm a voracious reader. So there's a ton of book reviews on the on the website. So if there's anything that I mentioned today that you're like, oh, that's interesting growth mindset or Brené Brown, I wonder who she is. Um, you can look on my website and I have reviews of all the different books that have really changed my life. Um, and in the back of Your Fittest Future Self, which is my second book, I actually also have like a, um, a recommended reading list of like, uh, of different books and also different podcasts that I love. And, um, again, cause you know, to circle back to what I started the show on, I really believe in, in creating a recipe of success, a conscious recipe of things that you know, that are going to serve you and make you happy. Um, anyway, so yeah, so that's my website. And then on the socials, I'm fit by Kathleen T. Um, I think probably the two I'm on most would be Instagram and Facebook, but I try to be on all of them. Um, I try to, you know, share useful podcasts and links and all the stuff I'm doing. Um, and you can get the books on Amazon. You can get them on my website, um, and get them through my publisher, which is Dundurn Press here in Canada. Um, but honestly, like reach out to me on my, through my website or through my social platforms. I always love to hear from people. So if you have questions or if you're, you know, if you want to ask me about the, the books um, specifically, or, you know, to figure out what fitness personality you are, you know, just reach out. I love chatting. Awesome. Thanks, Kathleen. And for everybody listening, of course, take a screenshot of this episode if you enjoyed it or share it with a friend. And also you can chuck it in your Instagram story or Facebook and tag us both and we'll be able to see who's listening and give you a give you a shout out on our pages as well, which would be amazing. And so, Kathleen, to wrap up, I usually ask people what is one piece of health information they wish more people knew about. But I want to ask you a slightly different variation of that because this episode is going to come out in like we're all going to be getting back to normal life post-isolation phase in a couple of weeks when this comes out. So do you have any advice for people to, because you talked a lot about setting up habits by design. And I I think this is a rare opportunity, especially in the fitness space. But a lot of people have been focusing on their health and, and their fitness far more, like lots more walks, lot more runs. How do you suggest people 
reintegrate back into normal life with health as as a higher priority than it was before or their fitness as a has a higher priority without falling into you know the the pre-pandemic version of themselves again I think it's a fantastic question and I would answer it in twofold. I think the first is just to really always remember that the only moment you have direct control over is now. Um, and the moment, the habits that you, whatever you do now is what creates your fittest future self. So I think that with health, it can be really easy to be like, oh, well, today's a really hard day. I'll be better tomorrow. Or, well, you know, I'm just getting back into my life post pandemic, so I'll be better next week. Um, and I'm not arguing that you should be perfect because there is no such thing as perfect. So what I am saying is that in every moment you have the opportunity to make the best decision possible. So that could just be having a little bit of water, um, or that could be making sure that you go for a five-minute walk at lunch. But just do something today um, that will serve you tomorrow. So that would be the first thing. And then I just think the name of the game from this podcast is just be intentional with your choices and know that health doesn't just happen. Like hope is not a strategy. So as you start to navigate your way back into a quote-unquote more normal life or our new normal, take a, a an hour at least, or even half an hour, whatever it is to take the time to reflect on what your new um, systems are going to be and what is your schedule going to be like, and then figure out, you know, the how, the what, the when, and the where that your exercise and your nutrition is going to take place. Um, Because if it's not in your schedule, it's not going to happen. And if you don't make the accommodations needed, it's not going to happen, right? Like you have to figure out like who's going to take care of your kids so you can go to the gym or are you going to work out with your kids or are you going to go for a walk with your partner every night after work or are you going to work out in the morning and then your partner will work out after work? So how are you going to make it happen? What accommodations need to be made? Uh, What are you going to do? Where are you going to do it? Um, And um, and then think about your sort of why. So, you know, are you doing this to have more energy, to feel better, to be, to be able to, you know, hang out on the floor with your grandkids, to play a sport that you love, like figure out some reason why you're doing it for you so that when you don't want to do it, you can say, no, my future self will be proud. And I'm not doing this because I quote unquote should, this is not an obligation for anybody else. This is because I love myself and I care enough about myself to make this happen. Awesome. I think that was a brilliant answer, Kathleen. Thank you. And I'm really grateful for you spending the time with me. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> uh, and I thank you for spending the time with me on the show today. No, it's been super fun. Yeah. And, oh, it's so much fun. And I love that you used a couple times the phrase, um, your future self. I feel like, you know, all the way from Australia to Canada, you know, my book is called Your Fittest Future Self. So I feel like we speak the same language and we both love health and fitness. So this has been really fun. Thank you very much. I'm very honored and was very pleased to be here. Yeah, you're more than welcome. And yeah, we should organize another episode in a couple of months maybe 100 percent, anytime awesome all right well thanks for being on the show and uh, we'll chat to you really soon yeah thanks for listening to the how to not get sick and die podcast if you love this episode and health information is your thing then please consider subscribing to the show and when you're done head over to itunes google podcast or whichever app you use and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.